Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour Extra Bits. This is our little gift for you podcast subscribers with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. This week we're talking to Imam Karachi about her new play, The Funeral Director, and we fangirl the amazing Louisa Omelan. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators, but no one compares. Badass Women's Hour XL with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton. One, two, three, four! Now, when we think of people challenging the standards of British theatre and our expectations of it, our next guest is really going out there. Iman Qureshi is the winner of the 2018 Papatango New Writing Prize for her play The Funeral Director, which is an exploration of a gay Muslim woman coming to terms with infidelity. It's at the Southwark Playhouse until the 24th of November. Here to tell us a little bit about it, we have Iman herself. Iman, how did you come to write it? Um, so it's coming to terms with her sexuality. <laughs> There's a typo in the blurb that's been sent out. But um, how did I begin to write it was the question. Um, what was the inspiration? The inspiration, I think... So I've, I started writing it about two years ago and it was around the time where the gay cake row had just gone through the Court of Appeal mm-hmm. and the Court of Appeal had ruled that the bakery had sort of unlawfully discriminated against the gay man who came in to buy a cake saying um, support gay marriage on it. Um... And I was, you know, I was really fascinated by this statement because they clearly lost the case um, and in that at that time. But their kind of statement was really resolute and like, no, we haven't discriminated. We're not homophobic. You know, these are our beliefs and they'll never change. And lots of people agree with us. And I I guess I was really interested in exploring where homophobia comes from um, and then also what makes people change, because that's that's what we ultimately want, isn't it? To sort of move people who do have these prejudices from that point to a point where they are accepting um, of difference. Uh, So that's what the play is exploring. What do you think, I guess, what in your research for play have you found does actually move people? Can we move people? Especially Um, if there's religion involved. Yeah. Yes, I I mean, I definitely think we can move people. My own experience, you know, I'm a lesbian woman um, from a Muslim background and my family have moved miles um and they're just so wonderful and so supportive now um <laughs> they haven't always been but it's been such a shift for them and it's been so wonderful to have them sort of rally around me um and and you know now they're sort of because they're so wonderful and supportive they've had to sort of come out to their friends about their gay daughter and you know all their friends are now wonderful and supportive in their sort of muslim community as well so that that has a, a ripple effect um, and I think to answer your question about what does make people change is I think it's just love and it's just realising that, you know, the people you love are LGBT 
um, and they are no different. And yeah. So how do you go from thinking about that and love to calling it the funeral director? <laughs> Take us through that journey. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it could have been called lots of things. I suppose thematically, death is death is one of the hardest things we'll go through. You know, losing our loved ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, but it's something that's inevitable. We will all go through it. Um, so I was quite interested in exploring that. It's quite a sort of emotional space to set a a play in. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I the, the sort of premise of the play is that this Muslim couple run a funeral home, and a gay man walks in and asks them to bury his um, partner who's died, and they say no, and they turn him away, and that sort of has a ripple effect. Um, and that's you know. The, plot of the rest of the play um so yeah that's why it's set there how has it been received in the muslim community i don't know it's open this week um it is i would say it's playing in london so (laughs) you know london is so diverse um and also muslims are diverse too so you know you'll you'll get some very conservative muslims going i hope and i hope that all the issues are dealt respectfully and tenderly and there is a balance of um of empathy i think you know the one of one of the most complex characters is uh quite a homophobic man in it but um audiences have really engaged with him in a way because he's a 3d rounded man i think and the actor who plays him is just so good at doing it you know with such nuance um that's so while we love him we also hate his views um and yeah so i i you know i hope it will reach out to people who are both conservative and not conservative and um, change people's views. That's what I really wanted to do. Is this your first play that you've put on then? Or have you done uh, written and um, put on plays before? Um, I have written and put on plays before, none on this scale. This has come yeah. with a lot of exposure and, yeah, pressure. <laughs> and, and when you're doing a play, does the st- like, do you have to start with a story or I just imagine a, a play is very different because you've got the character, you've got characters play a bigger part or do they? I have no idea in terms of the, the process of, of getting an idea or, a you know, the, um, the the seed of a story, which is what you yeah. clearly had. And then how you go from that to then turning it into a play that's got characters and people moving around on stage and sets. Yeah. And Well, I mean. I, I, w- I wish I knew because I, now I have to write another play. The prize comes with a commission to write a second play. And I wish it was like an easy kind of straightforward, like paint by numbers approach to playwriting. But I really don't think it is. Um, with this play, I wrote it on the Soho Theatre Writers Lab programme, which is just an incredible programme. It's, it's sort of it's spread across nine months and they have um, they really guide you through um, writing uh, three drafts of one play. Um, and at the end, you submit it to what, that they call the Verity Bargate Award. Um, so yeah, this play was written on that program. Um, so that's yeah, amazing that about. So I think why well, I think that your second play is about a family who have to come out on behalf of <laughs> another family member because I think that is absolutely hilarious because there are so many things that you can. Your parents might have to come out. Yeah, and I yeah, just as you were talking through your, I can what I can imagine was quite an emotional time for you. Yeah. I can also imagine it's quite a funny time watching your parents do something and go on their own journey. Um, and so I think that would be a wonderful second play. Yeah. Just putting out. <laughs> okay, if, hold, if, if, if hold on that last one. Do you mind being the top subject <laughs> of this play? <laughs> but uh, to to Emma's point around characters and character development, I think. 
uh, and it's a question that I usually ask, do you think uh, theatre has seen a resurgence? Because people are recognising now in a different way to watching a movie, you see so much more of a character because they are there right in front of you. And there's something really fun and alive about loving and hating a character and but in a different way to watching them in 2D on a screen because they are right there. Yeah. And you might walk out and see them standing in the auditorium yeah. at the end. Well, I mean, that's what I love about theatre is that it's live, so things can go wrong. Mm-hmm. So there's this immediate tension in the room, um, which is really exciting. And actually, th- this play is staged, um, has got tra- traverse staging, so you can see the audiences. Audiences are on either side of the stage. So you can e- see the audience's faces across from you. Nice. So, it's re- you, so you're watching not only the characters, but also the audience behind reacting and going on that yeah. emotional journey. And so you're feeding off them as well. So it's really exciting. That sort of liveness mm-hmm. and shared experience of it is really exciting for me. So so just to, so you're sitting and you can see the audience, and that, is it sort of so is it a square or is it just audiences on two sides so if you if you imagine a runway mm-hmm. in the middle there's yeah. a state like like a fashion sort of uh-huh. runway so there are audiences on both sides wow nice. yeah. Love that. how much how has the play changed from when you first wrote it to now because it must change you know when you write it and then you see people acting it out mm-hmm. and then you yeah. take it to an audience and you see their reactions how does it develop <laughs> i mean it's changed so much i remember that th- so there's a sort of central lesbian relationship in the play and i remember when i wrote the first draft and i i you know i sent it to the dramaturg at soho to read and she said of one of the girls she's like no you have to make her more likable no one's falling in love with that girl <laughs> and now she's just one of the most lovable characters in the play um but it's just about like constantly refining and making sure no one's a stereotype and no one's um you know journey is sort of too contradictory in terms of their experience that everything has to like really earn its place in the play and make you know Mm -hmm. you have to be quite brutal with your cuts as well um which is hard to do but yeah are you proud of it now I'm so proud and you know what the like creative team the cast and the director have done such an incredible job I mean my job was done ages ago and they've been sort of on this incredible journey for the last month um just transforming it and putting on stage yeah. Well, it, it is on at the Southwark Playhouse until the 24th of November, so do go and check it out. Um, if people want to find more from you, Eman, where can they find you? Are you on Twitter, Instagram, all those socials? I'm on Twitter and my handle is at Iman Qureshi. Fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us. The play sounds fantastic. Thanks. I love being a badass woman. Great badass women. It's a great so idea for a, for a West End play or something as well. <laughs> 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 yeah. Our lives. But I want the musical. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. The Vampire Strikes Back. Badass Women's Hour XL on Talk Radio. We are lucky enough to have on the line with us the fantastic Louisa O'Malan, who has just won a BAFTA Breakthrough Brits Award. Woo-hoo! We're so proud of you! Hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> uh, so tell us what being a Breakthrough Brit for BAFTA is. Um, It's um, basically like a scheme that BAFTA run where they pick like, uh, nine, this year they pick 19 artists and it's across like TV, film and gaming and it's like a year's uh, worth of support and mentorship and um, just to like have the BAFTA name behind you really. So like you get to go to all the BAFTA events and you get to go to like the BAFTA like HQ um, and they team you up with a mentor and uh, they just try and help you make a wish list of what you want to do career wise. And then they try and make that happen. Amazing. And you're the first yeah. comedian to win it, is that right? Well, yeah, I'm the first one they've ever supported in this way. Yeah, so it's amazing. It's so cool. Like, I'm so happy. <laughs> you I so deserve it. it. We think you're incredible. Oh, thank Good you. <laughs> thank you. I'm really excited. It's so funny because I'm always, like, anti-establishment. and like, oh, anti-establishment. <laughs> and then Vasta were like, oh, we'd like to support you. And I was like, oh, yes, please. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Got to be done. <laughs> so you have had a big old couple of years and yeah. for anyone who has not been lucky enough to see your shows tell us a little bit about what's been going on for you in the last few years um so i started with a show called beyonce do and it was like a it's basically a comedy show but it's a party with jokes in is what i call it <laughs> so it was like a, a really uplifting powerful uh, like fun powerful show like it started out on the free fringe in edinburgh so it was free to get in and it became a word of mouth kind of sensation, sensation. And you up, can say the word yeah, yeah. can I say the word yes. like it got turned into a book I went to like 12 different countries and toured with it around the world um, I got nominated in Australia for best comedy show with it I had like just a phenomenal time with that show and then I wrote a show called Am I Right Ladies where I did a joke about having a thigh gap and that <laughs> had like 50 million views now it's is had. it 50 wow. million wow. yeah it went crazy so that's had loads of these and then my show was going out on BBC One. They filmed it um, last year, and it was uh, on the day it got on the day it went out on BBC One. Um, sadly, my mum got diagnosed with stage four stomach and bowel cancer. Um, so my mum died within seven weeks. She died very very quickly. Um, and my mum was like a big support of my show. So she'd always come to my show. She'd start like the merchandise, the jumpers, and be like, "Come on, girls!" Like she was hilarious. Um, and so then that happened. And that just kind of changed everything. I mean, on every level, it's changed everything. But, yeah, it just came out of nowhere. <laughs> like, it just came... Things were going really well, and then that, it just came out of nowhere. And, um... How did yeah, it change long your comedy? Um, because I didn't want to do comedy again, ever mm-hmm. again. Because it was seven weeks. It was so brutal, so quick. It just came out of nowhere. And then she made me promise to keep doing stand-up. 
And I found it really hard to go on stage and do thigh gap jokes or Beyonce jokes because I was like, I just don't care. Mm-hmm. And and watching somebody with cancer is so brutal. Like I didn't, I just, I wasn't aware. And so then I started talking about that on stage instead. And people really responded. And so now I do <laughs> a show called Politics for Bitches and it's all about cancer and cannabis oil and euthanasia and death. But with dick jokes, and it's really fun, <laughs> and it's still really funny. Um, so it's very different, but it's um, it's still me. Like, I'm still yeah. the same. It's not still me, like, I'm not the same person, but, um, yeah, it's yeah. still the flavour of me. Your heart, it? Yeah. We, we yeah. can attest to that. It's, yeah, we went to watch you audience. at your Hammersmith show, Louisa, and I've got oh to say, God, like, you. I've always loved your comedy, but the way you, way you talked about that you know harrowing experience with your beautiful mom and the way you talked about that and the way it was just like it was just this incredible emotional journey where one minute I was like tears crying and next minute laughing like you just have this really amazing like take on the world and you do it on your insta stories and your politics for bitches is really really brilliant and you know what I only realized tonight you're getting emotional now well because I just think Louisa is just a really amazing comedian and I really do think that something really special about the way that you the the way that you share your life and you talk about things and politics for bitches I'm so pleased to see and also I'm pleased to see it's more than one episode Mm. um so you're covering I saw the one where you covered housing um and then what are the other topics you're covering in the series Uh, yes it's housing is the first one then it's um opportunities and like access to opportunities is the second one and then it's uh public spending is the third one and the fourth one is uh like a women's issue i mean i hate saying excellent so it's a stupid thing to say to do in 25 minutes or women's issues but uh things like um what is um uh, the pay gap and what is gender inequality and you know what are women complaining about now about equal pay like, when, <laughs> no, always moaning aren't we so <laughs> moaning. always living moaning so what's all that about so it's that kind of vibe yeah so you have a knack for taking people on a roller coaster journey so a educating them because there's those moments of I didn't know that. And then you hit people with a joke and it's like, oh my God, I can't stop laughing. And then it's like, oh my God, I shouldn't Yay. be laughing because this is something that's really important yes. and I need to go out and start a campaign. Um, so but how... That's the way to get people going. Yeah. That's the way to get them like to listen. But that's the best way. As an, as an art form, do you feel... Because I guess, you, you, you know, you still, you still... This is your career now. How do yeah. you marry being almost an activist and a campaigner through your jokes even inadvertently and building a career and like you said doing things there within the establishment because I find you know that's a daily conflict for me yeah. personally how do you how yeah. do you manage that well I didn't I didn't set out to have an agenda and I didn't set out to revolt back against things and I didn't set out to challenge you know opinions or stereotypes or those things I love comedy and I would just talk to my friends about things that are ridiculous, like mm-hmm. like gaps, for example, or like, oh my gosh, mate, I've moved it back into my mum's house. I'm the same age as Beyonce, like, <laughs> like what's going on? Like, and like, we, it was funny. Like, we I make it funny. And then from the Beyonce show, people were like, oh my gosh, like I love how you, you know, we talk about like male mental health awareness. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that that too, yeah. <laughs> and then and like, am I right? Like, I was just like. Stop calling me fat because I'm not, and I'm all right. Even if I was, it's not a problem. Like, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, you're like a body image." Like, and I was like, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, I, I guess I am. And how people are like, oh, you're like a politician. I'm like, mm-hmm, no, thank you. <laughs> Never. That's not what I want to do. Because I just think, because you're right, it is a, if you think about it too much, then you do kind of get um, stuck with like red tape and rules and regulations mm-hmm. and the conflict of who am I talking to and what is my principle and what am I saying and mm-hmm. how can I have this. Principle? And actually just forget all of that. Just tell your truth and call something out that you think is wrong and and find the funny around it. And that's kind of... Yeah, that's a rubbish answer, but yeah. That's a good answer. answer. And and how is your grief now? Are you starting to enjoy um, being a comedian again? Do you feel like you're getting that back? Yeah, I am. Like, I feel really good. It's weird. I feel really good. And it's weird. I don't like it. And I feel like, yeah, I don't know. Like yesterday I went to my mum's grave and I haven't been for a long time. And uh, I went to her grave and it's weird because I talk to her every day anyway, Mm. like in my own head. I just talk to her every day. And I, I don't think the stuff that's happened this year would have happened if it wasn't for her involvement. I'm like, like the BAFTA thing's insane. I'm like, you, she totally did that. Like, <laughs> anyone that did that, it's totally her because I definitely didn't warrant that or get that on my own. Like, that's definitely her doing some magic. And like, it? go on, sorry. No, no, I was going to say, have I got this wrong? But did she also make you promise to do your Apollo show? And is that how yeah. you ended up yeah, doing yeah, that yeah, night? Yeah. yeah, so I am... Um, I, um, because she went to the doctor like 12 times. They were like, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing wrong. And then I took her to A&E and they said, no, you've got stage four stomach and bowel cancer. Mm-hmm. And then we got told, oh, she's got 10 months left. No, she hasn't. She's got seven weeks. She's got three weeks. And it took seven. Um, and in that time, it was a bit of a blur because Beyonce, my Beyonce show was going out on BBC One. So there's loads of interest in that. And then Live at the Apollo got in touch, which is something that I've wanted for years. Mm-hmm. and would always say to my mom, like, when can I get Apollo? When can I get it? And I literally got it on her deathbed, and I was like, oh, like, you know, guess what, Mum? Like, it's hard to law. I've got to lie with the Apollo. And she was like, well, you have to do it. And I was like, no chance. Like, no, because I'm going to be looking after you. You're going to be fine. You're not going anywhere. Everything's going to be fine. Like, like, I didn't even think of comedy. And she was like, whatever happens, you have to promise me you'll do that gig. Mm. And I was like, I'm not doing it. Like, something's going to happen. <laughs> you will stay here. So like, you have to promise. And I was like, fine, I promise. But, you know... And when she was dying, she kept saying, like, you must keep doing comedy. Please keep doing comedy. Like, you mustn't give it up, Louisa. You mustn't give it up. And I was like, I won't be funny without you. There'll be no reason to. Why would I ever want to make, why would I ever want to feel joy or laugh again um, after watching what's happening to her? And then six weeks after she died, the gig, yeah, I had the gig. and It was my first gig back. And I was like, well, it's either not do it and have a Polish woman haunting me. <laughs> <laughs> or do it and just be like, oh, Jesus, this is uncomfortable. But yeah. here we go, Mum, this one's for you. Oh, um, well done for doing that. And we also, we've got to mention Bernie. I mean, literally, yeah. Bernie's like your like side act now. Like, <laughs> Oh, she's my double act. She's amazing. <laughs> Bernie's my Bernie's mountain dog. So when I was Polish, right, and when she was dying, I've never had a dog before. I've never cared for dogs. Always thought dogs were idiots. And to be fair, she's not done much to change that. Um, and I reserved a Bernie's Mountain dog. And everybody's like, what are you doing? And I was like, my mum's dying, so get a dog. And they were like, yeah, but get like a chihuahua. Like, get one that you can tour with. And I was like, but I've always wanted one of those big black, brown and white things that like just sit in snow. Like, I've always wanted one of them. So I'm going I'm to get that. And I reserved it. And I went to pick it up two days after her funeral because I thought it would be something positive to look forward to and then just the day before the funeral that dog fell through it didn't happen and I was like oh it's a sign like that was probably your mum being like 
still get a Bernie's Mountain Dog. It's a ridiculous idea. You can't even look after yourself. And then I went online on Saturday night and I accidentally clicked an old bookmark and there was a Google alert and there was one Polish Bernie's Mountain Dog that had been returned because they're hard to get hold of. You have to book it like months in advance. Like They're a rare breed. And it was a Polish Bernie's Mountain Dog that somebody had bought, changed her mind, didn't want her, sent her back. And I was like, Hang on a second. How, <laughs> how, how regularly do you hear a Polish Bernie's Mountain Dog? Yeah, but not a Polish Bernie's Mountain Dog. And so I called the woman, she was Polish. She has like the same twang in her voice that my mum did. And she was like a single mum living in London. She was like, Yes, you can come along. And I was like, Oh my God, amazing. Like, I'm just going to, when can I come now? I'll drive now. And I drove about four and a half hours. And I was like, I won't buy it. I'll just. I'll just have a look at it and like, I walked in and I was like, I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> and so now I've got Bernie, yeah, she comes with me everywhere, every day, all the time. She's a beast. And I love, <laughs> she's got her own Instagram account, which I just, yeah, is just so account. good. And somebody emailed the other day and were like, uh, yeah, we're coming to your show and we're excited, but I need to make sure that Bernie's coming because my friend will be like, <laughs> yeah. can you arrange that? And I'm like, dude. Not cool. <laughs> She's getting her own like, audience. She's going to have her own show soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. We yeah. love her. Louisa, you are just such a superstar and we love chatting to you. Are you on tour with Politics for Bitches right now? I am, yeah. I'm on, I'm on, uh, um, I've got like this week, um, I'm doing so, like the BAFTA related stuff, which is really exciting. Um, and then I'm back out um, next uh, week after next. So I'll be doing uh, Manchester, Camberley, Southampton, um, as, well as, as well as a few others, but I can't remember now. But I am doing London um, on December 17th, 18th, and 19th. Um, so come along and see the live show. It's really fun. Where will it, it be? It sounds depressing, but it's really fun. Where? Where? Um, in London, I'm doing it at the Clapham Grand, okay. um, 17th, 18th, and 19th. Um, just Google Politics of Bitches live tour and you'll find me. I mean, it is, I will say, if you have a chance to go and see it, go and see it because yeah. it is possibly the most <laughs> turn out one of the most memorable two hours of my life I think I was like, just about to say oh, you man. won't forget the jokes and I don't want to yeah. give away any punchlines which is why I'm not showing them but you won't forget the jokes you won't forget the atmosphere and you won't forget the support of everyone in that room yeah. as know, you go through the amazing. story like, on stage their love is incredible yeah. like their love is incredible yeah, yeah. yeah. it's amazing uh, Louisa, you have been a superstar. Thank you so much for coming and talk to us. Thanks uh, so much for having me. Thank you, Louisa. <laughs> Anytime, come back. We love you. Uh, the fabulous Louisa Omerlam. Go check out her new show, Politics for Bitches. It is brilliant. One, two, three, four. This has been the Badass Women's Hour podcast with me, Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell, and Emma Sexton. If you want to hear more from us, you can come follow us on social media at Badass Women's Hour HR um, or leave us a review and tell us how much you love us. We really need to feel the love. Five stars should do it. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.